This is Chelsea Wingo. And I'm Amy Covell. And this is our podcast, Hashtag Life Goals. There were no special ed classes at any of the schools that I went to. I wasn't super conscious of, like, mental disorders in high school. Each week, we examine one of our life goals and figure out what steps we need to take to make them a reality. I feel like everybody in one way, shape, or form might have some sort of imperfection or, like, disability in that way. It just depends on it. So come join us. It's going to be fun. Hello, everybody. I'm Amy Covell. And I'm Chelsea Wingo. And you're listening to Hashtag Hashtag Life Life Goals. This episode, to wrap up the month of April for health and wellness, living with disabilities. Yes. Mm -hmm. So um, this is something that, again, is a little bit of a heavier episode, but it should be enlightening, too, because... This is something that so many people struggle with, whether it's a mental disability, a physical disability, if they're born with it, or if it occurs later in life due to some sort of incident or accident, um, we all have to learn how to live our lives to the fullest. How do we compensate for these things that are different in ourselves? How do we adjust to a world that doesn't understand that? As mentioned a couple of times in the episodes, I have my own learning disability, auditory processing disorder, which I'll get more into the statistics about later on, but definitely having not understanding most of it all my life and then only really getting the hang of it probably towards high school and college. And even now I'm learning things about it. Right. It's trying to understand how everybody's experience is very unique based Mm -hmm. on their set of circumstances or their way of processing. But before we get into it, Amy, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Uh, This week the kids were out of school, so Mm -hmm. it was a very different work schedule for me. But yeah, it's been pretty good. Good. I'm I'm doing okay. Uh, I will admit that this week has probably been not the best out of all weeks. Um, mostly some just some personal stuff that I've been dealing with. And then also just recently, the one of the part-timers that I had, it's no longer happening. We left on good terms. There's no bad blood or anything. Just... But it's changing. It's changing. So yeah, your work your work life's changing. Oh yeah. So and that's a lot easier to handle when you don't have like a personal Mm -hmm. black cloud hanging over you. Exactly. And then last night, I really did not get any good sleep. Like I was trying to. I I knew I was tired, but I couldn't go to bed. My body was like, nope, we're we're staying up. And just it was it was very frustrating because I I felt my eyelids like trying to close into sleep into deep sleep, but I just I couldn't. So yesterday was a tough day for me as well. I slept fine last night, but you saw me yesterday morning. My yeah. allergies were just absolutely oh, yeah. killing me. Mm-hmm. I couldn't think straight. I was at Target and I spent ten minutes trying to pick out trash bags. <laughs> so if that gives you any example of what my day was like, mm-hmm. uh, I had all of these things planned to get accomplished and. of them did not happen because I couldn't think straight. That sucks. But uh, so I'm sorry about that. I don't personally deal with a lot of allergies, but yeah, just some, so I'm having, so I'm having an okay week. So I guess it's sort of fitting for the mood of this episode. (laughs) Well, I always look at Saturdays as the start of my week because I love recording hashtag life goals. So we're going to, for this episode in particular, we're going to focus mainly more on like mental and learning disabilities. We do know of, yes, physical disabilities and things like that, but because it's more kind of mental and kind of... Because of the personal experience that we have here, we're sticking with learning disabilities, communication disabilities, Mm -hmm. uh, physical disabilities would be a whole different discussion. Exactly. So we're not trying to exclude that anyway whatsoever. This is just what we're focusing on today. All right. So... What is a learning disability? This is an article from LDA America that explains that learning disabilities are neurological disabilities that affect information processing. They may affect how a person learns, understands, communicates, and remembers information. Adults with LD may have been born with their disability, or they may have acquired it later on in life. Experts say they aren't really sure exactly how it happens, but these are a couple of reasonings that they have said. Number one, heredity. Learning disabilities often run in the family, so many people with LD have parents or other relatives with similar difficulties. Problems during pregnancy and birth. LDs may have been caused by illness or injury or during or before birth. They may also be caused by low birth weight, lack of oxygen, drug and alcohol use during pregnancy, 
and premature or prolonged labor, and then incidents after birth, head injuries, nutritional deprivation, and exposure to toxic substances can contribute to the development of learning disabilities. LDs are not caused by disadvantage or cultural differences. So Right, right. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of factors that can affect your brain's development, both mm-hmm. in utero and in the early stages of life. Yeah. For my disability personally, I've been kind of told two things. One is that I had a bad ear infection when I was younger, um, when I was either baby, three, four. Obviously, I can't remember because I don't have memories that start till I was about five or six, let's be honest. Okay. But I had a really bad ear infection, and I think that might have affected with my personal learning disability. But then I've also been told that my grandfather, who unfortunately is not here with us, my mom now looking at my behavior growing up and then looking at him, uh, noticing how he acted when she was growing up, he might have also had the same disability as well. So it could be a combination of factors. It could be, yeah. Unfortunately, he passed away when I was only 10 years old, so I never really got to ask him about it because when I was 10, I had no idea what this disability was, probably not until high school. Learning disabilities affects both men and women equally. There is neither one type of learning disability nor one profile for adults because there's so many different patterns. Most people with learning disabilities, between like 80 to 85%, have a reading disability or dyslexia. Some adults can have difficulty with self-control, perceiving social situations appropriately, and getting along with other people. So those would be kind of all the things that fall on the autism spectrum disorder. Yeah. I mean, when I was growing up, my parents were, when they started noticing my behavioral differences and kind of how I was acting, they were worried I was autistic. But I can't remember who it was that I was seeing, obviously, because I was too young. But they had said, oh, no, there's there's no way that she's autistic. So but right, I still like it's something else. But it's like because it wasn't dyslexia mm-hmm. and that is the most common learning disability. Yeah. They're like, well, what else could it be? It must be on the spectrum. Exactly. Disorders. But yeah, even though I'm not autistic, I definitely can see the points where I had difficulty either self-control or getting along with other people or perceiving social situations appropriately. I right, saw the- because it's all about how your brain processes information. Exactly. Learning disabilities are not related to low intelligence. Most have an average or above average intelligence, but the impact of the disability may impair their ability to function well in school, at home, or in the workplace. I like that they said this because it's definitely a stereotype I think it's been it's put a lot when people maybe encounter with someone with a disability or someone that's autistic, which is not fair whatsoever. Because well, because autism wasn't really understood until I would say probably the late nineties, mm-hmm. and so basically before that, you know, if you saw someone with Down syndrome and you saw someone with autism, they all kind of got lumped into the same yeah. category of retardation. Yeah, which is and unfair. They're all very different disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so autism spectrum disorder has become vastly more understood in the past 20 years um, than it was prior to that. Yeah. So I'm glad we're taking st- steps forward regarding that. This next article is from Help Guide, um, helping children with learning disabilities. And just want to touch base on maybe some of the more common disorders that we hear of. So there's different types of learning disorders, reading, writing, and math. Dyslexia is one where there's a difficulty of relationship between sounds, letters, and words. Dyscalculia, disability with math, struggling with memorization and organization of numbers. Dysgraphia, which is writing disability or with physical difficulty of forming words and letters to organize thoughts on the paper. Dyspraxia, which is motor skill disability. So Daniel Radcliffe is a celebrity that has this. It's basically kind of like um, having trouble with coordination, with kind of like he would talk about having difficulty of like tying his shoelaces or like using his hands for certain things. So... Yeah. Oh, so he was the perfect actor to play very awkward yeah. young Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. He's, he's perfect for the kind of like awkwardness that he has. And then some others would be auditory processing disorder, which I'll get into more in depth later, and then visual processing disorder. So those are just a couple. There's a whole lot more, but just kind of maybe the more typical ones people might hear. And then the next section would be signs and symptoms of you might notice from a child of that they might have a disability around preschool. Trouble pronouncing words, difficulty in rhyming, trouble learning the alphabet, numbers, and colors. Five to nine, trouble with connection between letters and sounds. Slow to learn new skills, unable to blend sounds to make words. And then 10 through 13, 
trouble with open-ended test questions and word problems, poor handwriting, poor organizational skills, trouble following classroom discussion, and expressing thoughts out loud. I can see in every aspect of my life where I have one of these (laughs) because I was told when I was younger, I learned to walk like that. But communicating-wise, I could not form sentences. And then when I was younger, even though I didn't know of my disability, uh, by the time I was going into a grade school, that was when I started um, having to be taken out of class to go and have therapy sessions, specifically speech therapy. Because when you have a hearing disorder, how do you learn how to talk from listening to what other people say? Right. And when you can't hear that properly it's more confusing. So I had to have a speech therapist. I, I, I don't know why I want to think her name is Dee Dee, but that's, I, I can't remember her name. She was this lovely, lovely woman and she would take me out of class and help me pronounce my T's, my S's and how to pronounce certain words. And then um, definitely as I got into middle school and high school, um, I would have special ed where I'd be having that own period where I'd be with maybe like two or three other students that had special ed as well, I would have that time to be able to answer questions on tests. Like I would have that extra time if I needed it or to focus on getting work done so that way I could get through uh, my schoolwork without being so overwhelmed. Right, right. Those are the some, some of the accommodations mm-hmm. that they offer in our country in the public school system for people with yeah. disabilities. It's because they understand that they cannot work under the same constraints as a regular student mm-hmm. uh, because they would be unable to perform their best. Yeah. I will say, luckily for me, by the time high school came around, after ninth grade, that was when they officially determined, oh, y- you're not using these, okay, you don't really need this, so you can be taking out a special ed. I mean, I'll say I was kind of happy about, probably at the time. no kid likes to be singled out as needing more assistance. Exactly, but I still can't deny that even now as a 27-year-old that I don't deal with it because I've only known one way that I've been, I guess in a way, interacting or listening to things as compared to like normal people and all right so So even though you have adjusted to your disability Mm -hmm. and how you need to react to be able to take in things and understand them better that doesn't mean that you don't have to constantly think about that and put those things into action yeah exactly all right um there's other stuff but i think we'll cover about that later uh regarding for later on after our talk with our guest today which i'm actually very excited about so the last thing i wanted to cover was my disability Auditory processing disorder. This is an article from Child Mind. Auditory processing disorder, also known as central auditory processing disorder, is a hearing problem that affects about 5% of school-age children. It impedes a child's ability to manage information that he or she hears. While it does not affect hearing, it makes it difficult to process the use of auditory information, and it can interfere with a child's ability to learn, concentrate, and interact with people. APD is not universally recognized as a disorder. Audiologists can diagnose it after conducting tests that measure specific auditory processing functions. I remember specifically, I think maybe I was like eight or 10. I can't remember. I don't know if I went to, I went to a school. I want to say it was the American School of Deaf that was in Connecticut, but I can't remember the Mm -hmm. exact name, but I went in and I talked with an audiologist, I believe. And I remember specifically they were putting me in a booth And I think I was wearing headphones and a bunch of the tests that I did was they would say one thing in one ear and one thing in the other. And I had to distinguish which one they asked me. Yeah. The word was in. Exactly. The word or the sentence or the phrase. Uh And as time went on, it got harder and harder because they started overlapping and some of them started to sound very similar. So I couldn't That's how they're trying to delineate, you know, Mm -hmm. what connections your brain is making versus what ones it's not making. I mean, most people have experienced the basic hearing test, which is, you know, raise your hand when you can hear the sound. Mm -hmm. Um, But for that, that's really trying to figure out the processing. Yeah. But yeah. But I don't know what age that was. I want to say I was eight or 10, but I think it was around probably five when they officially diagnosed me as having APD. So maybe it was a check in to see how I was doing since then at that point. Symptoms with APD. Difficulty in following directions. Frequent requests to repeat information. I do this constantly. Trouble distinguishing between similar sounding words. Lack of focus, especially in noisy places. Impaired memory for nursery rhymes and song lyrics. 
struggling with reading, spelling, speaking, and rhyming, mixing up the order of sounds and words or numbers in a sequence, inability to follow conversations, trouble expressing thoughts and feelings. I'd say most of these are true for me. There's a couple that are a little iffy, but there's... uh, I would agree. I've seen a lot of those exhibited in you in the time that I've known you. Yeah. But like things like the song lyrics are nursery rhymes, I would say maybe not as much. But there's another section of this article that might explain why. They say there are four basic skills involved in auditory processing that may be weakened. One is auditory discrimination, the ability to distinguish between distinct and separate words, cat, hat, bat, rat. I struggle with this a lot of things sound very, very similar. I think our guests can maybe talk about this later, that there would be time when people would call me a different name that sounded very similar to mine, and I would still turn around and respond to it because it sounded so similar. All right, number two, figure the figure to ground discrimination, which is the ability to differentiate important sounds from background noise to follow verbal instructions or pick out one voice from the audio auditory clutter. Yes, this is definitely one that I deal with a lot, especially when I go to like bars or noisy places. It's really, really difficult for me to pick up on what someone is saying unless I'm really focused or leaning in or I even like cut my hands behind my ears to kind to of create help a, the sound come directly yeah, to like you. Like I'm doing it right now and I can hear you more clearly now than ever. Number three, auditory memory, the ability to remember things we hear in both short term and long term and remembering info unless it's written down. I think maybe growing up because of my APD, music became such a big part that I started investing a lot more time in repeating listening and repeating things in my head, repeating things out loud that it's not that much of an issue. But there's definitely times when someone says something like out of the blue and it says, wait, what did you say? Can you repeat it again? I didn't I didn't hear you. And then the last one is auditory sequencing, the ability to recall and understand the order of sounds. So it's probably like, you know, do this thing and that thing or this sequence are kind of like when they sound different noises in a certain sequence for maybe a test or something or like right. when an escape room when you have to listen to certain things and press the buttons in a certain way from based on what you hear. Right. What foreign language did you take in high school? I took Spanish. Spanish. And you don't really speak Spanish. Yo no conozco un poquito español. Oh, that's more than I expected from you. <laughs> I would assume that that would have been another place where it was really challenging because it's also having to make those sound combinations mm-hmm. that are you're not used to. See? <laughs> but that's, I mean, I'm better at reading and probably listening to rather than writing and speaking. I think we have a... General idea of yes, learning disorders and disabilities and things like that. So, I mean, I guess time to bring on the guest then? Yes, please introduce our guest. Ooh. So this guest is someone that I have been best friends with for 13 years, but he feels like a forever friend. I would love to introduce my BFFO, whatever the people say these days, Kevin Rowland. Say hi. Hello. Welcome, Kevin. Welcome. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for having me. <laughs> we all know each other offline. De- I, I don't want to say decently well because we you do. know, decently we, yeah, well. decently well. And yeah. I feel spoiled because I've gotten to see you twice this month. I know. Right? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Amy and Kevin never, re- they rarely see each other, but every time I see them hang out now, it's like, Nothing's changed. And they're like, oh, we're picking this up where we left it. Like, they've always exactly. been friends, which mm-hmm. makes me a little it's jealous. That East Coast vibe. Yeah. You can just yeah. pick up right where you left off. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, context. Kevin and I have known each other for, well, as Kev, how, how were you describing it before you came on? <laughs> say, say it, because I want to hear this story, actually. Um, I have been aware of Chelsea Wingo's presence <laughs> since I was about eight years old because I moved to our hometown, Avon, Connecticut, mm-hmm. in. 1999, yeah. 2000. Shout out to everybody there. Hi, how are you doing? Hello, everyone back home. Hello. And then we became friends mm-hmm. um, properly in high school yeah. through our friend Michelle. Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Hope you're doing well. Hello. We love you lots and your kids. But also what was really funny is that we were in choir together in middle school, mm-hmm. though we didn't hang out. We had the same no. choir class every single day, but we never hung out whatsoever. So you guys were classmates. We didn't really form a bond until theater in high school. Yes. Yes. It's, I think it was when we did, we did Grease together. And <laughs> I was Frenchie and he was duty. But uh, not to go back on the conversation beforehand, but you were aware of my presence since I was, since you were eight. I'm, I'm just confused about that because 
because uh, obviously we didn't become <laughs> we didn't become friends till later on in high school. But I don't know if it's because I was in my own little depression anxiety. Be like, nobody likes me. I don't have friends. So, uh, <laughs> what Are you do guys you mean by that? The same classes in grade school as well. Um, I don't know if we had the same homeroom. No, but you were at the same school. Same schools. Um, we both went to Pine Grove. Yes, we did. And then we went to Thompson Brook. Thompson Brook. That's right. Thompson right, Brook. Right. They had yes. built a new school for fifth, fifth and, and sixth six. grade. Yeah. I, I knew about you because like I was friends with Michelle. Michelle's one of my first friends in Avon. Okay, yeah, that and makes sense. You guys were friends. Yeah. But like the we never like we never all crossed hung paths out together. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you knew stories about Chelsea through Michelle. Yeah. When she'd be like, I was hanging out with Chelsea yesterday. Yeah. And hopefully this. Hopefully all good things, I'm hoping. <laughs> good things. And like <laughs> Chelsea got gum stuck in her hair. I'm, I'm yeah. pretty sure yeah, I am pretty sure I did that once or twice. <laughs> and like you weren't like one of the normal kids. You were oh, like no. eccentric. Like that that was Chelsea Wingo. <laughs> yes, I can. She be was quite... the she was the kind of wild one. All right. So getting back to the topic at hand. So Kevin, give us a little context about who you are and what you do and all that fun stuff. Well, um, I am currently a lead costume dresser at Universal Studios Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, that means I put performers in costumes and make sure they look pretty. <laughs> um, and fix them and wash them and all that super fun stuff. Make sure a they lot look that good. Goes into it. There's a lot that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently, I'm mostly working with the Harry Potter characters Ooh. in Hogsmeade. Very fun. Those are much more fun costumes than doing like the character costumes, like the you know the Minions and the Simpsons and or Dora. Yeah, I remember there's a Dora at one time that we there's were walking Dora. around. Well, Dora is no Mora. No Mora. Um, oh. she's, not, she's Nickelodeon. So was she owned by Universal for a period? Yeah. Well, she can go out into the parks. Sometimes, but she's often not anymore because she's not that popular anymore. Ah, but the also, um, obviously, because I mentioned Greece, we did acting together. So you did acting mm-hmm. in your background, and then also you're trying to make writing more of a focus as well. Is that correct? Yes. Um, I went to Emerson College for acting. I was in their BA acting program there. Um, did my stuff there and moved out here to be an actor. And also, I, I'd always been a writer. Like, I loved writing, but it was like, kind of like a side passion. Um, took some classes in college and realized, like, oh, maybe I could do something with this. Mm-hmm. And then I moved out here, realized I did not want to be a working actor. That sounds like a <laughs> slow, slow, painful death. <laughs> Props to all of my friends that do it. I have many friends that do. Love all of you and everyone that is a working actor. It was not for me. I realized it was not for me. Mm-hmm. And so writing became more my focus yeah. while working my full-time job at Universal. Yeah. That's been my shifting focus that is good. Lately. And then also, fun fact, we lived together for about two and a half years. We did. We did. You did. You did. You slept on my couch until we, it, funny, you moved when I was still in a single bedroom apartment, and then you slept on my couch, which was very comfortable, apparently. Oh, yeah. And then uh, then we finally moved together into a two-bedroom apartment for about two and a half years. But yeah, one of the reasons that we wanted to bring Kevin on is because he was my best friend growing up, he would have a different perspective of you know, having a friend or at least knowing someone closer than maybe other people. But obviously he has a variety of friends, but, um, (laughs) yes, he gives a slight silent shrug, but to get his perspective of, you know, interacting with someone uh, that has a disability or has a learning disorder, that kind of thing. Cause then also this is something that everybody goes through at least once when like in their school or at some point when they interact with someone with a disability. So it's interesting to see their different take on it. So tell us, Kevin, what was it like growing up with Chelsea? <laughs> a nightmare. No, it was. Um, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna start from high school because since we've already touched on the fact that it was like we knew of each other, but we were not friends. Yeah. And like, I just knew about Chelsea through Michelle. Mm-hmm. Became friends in freshman year of high school, and Chelsea was always like. She, like always very friendly very bright like mm-hmm. we that is chelsea's like that's her brand brand that is the chelsea wingo brand bright friendly <laughs> she just did talkative. a sexy toss. it was amazing <laughs> i don't know if it was that sexy but thank you continue Kevin. <laughs> no, you're fine <laughs> um and like always singing and dancing oh, yeah. always has one earbud in oh yeah <laughs> dancing through the hallways and like, 
without a care, like zero oh, cares in thanks. the world. And like, I love no that fucks. about her. Zero fucks. I zero tried fucks to given. at least. <laughs> High school was probably the time when I was like, okay, I have this thing. Okay. I've tried mm-hmm. all this stuff. Cause I tried like being friends with a lot of people, mainly in like middle school and fifth and sixth grade. Mm-hmm. No success. That was like a lot of depression and crying and things like that. I was like, okay, I'm just going to, tune into my own world and You're try like, to pretend. I did my best. Yeah, and I've given up. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. I'm just going to be me. Kind of. That's just the positive thinking that I would like to think of. I think it's more that I just fell into the spiral of listening to music a lot because that was really what I connected with a lot. Like, I feel really bad saying this, but even, like, I was friends with Michelle before we became friends. But I think even then, I didn't know if... You know, I felt like it was like a true friendship or whatnot. Like I didn't like, did, like, did they like me? Do they actually want to hang out with me? Did they like that? Kind of, I like, understand I to- that. My best friend in junior high was actually also the person who incited the most bullying of mm, me. Yeah. Like she wasn't really truly my friend, but that was the best friend I had made when I moved to California. Mm-hmm. And so I hung around anyway. Yeah, that's very terrible. I'm sorry. That's okay. Yeah. Hey, I'm much more well adjusted now. Yeah. And now I have lots of friends. Yeah. And I don't give no fucks. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's very that's very sweet of you to say like like doesn't give a, like a give a fuck or like doesn't care like sing around and dancing because I because I know it would get annoying at times. I know there'd be times when you have you have like looked at me and be like, seriously, Chelsea. Yeah. There there were moments like that, <laughs> especially when we first started to get to know each other, like actually get to know each other. Yeah. And. I learned very quickly that I had to just be honest with you if uh, if something that you were doing was like bothering me, mm-hmm. and you were always receptive to it. Be like, "Hey, Chelsea, you should stop dancing. We are in the middle of a very quiet class right now." Oh wait, I danced in the middle of class. Wait, which well, you would, you would like you would like start like moving. Like, oh, hey, Chelsea, oh, Chelsea, oh. Chelsea, Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> like kind of like do this. Calm or down. just Calm sometimes down. like like sometimes you we'd be in a situation where like we. You needed to not be listening to music or dancing or something. It'd be like, Chelsea, hey. <laughs> I needed to be told to get out of my world and yeah, participate but you, in reality. you would always like reel it back and be like, oh, okay. Yeah, I think because I wanted it's to be It's amazing like, how people will be receptive if you just open your mouth and tell them. Yeah. yeah instead of just like, be like, what is this? Yeah, don't hold girl? it in. That's how resentments yeah. begin. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Communicate. Yeah, communication is kind of a big thing. Even though um, this is like kind of a question that I was going to ask, like, I know we've talked about it. When did you officially know that I had a disability? Because I can't remember when we officially talked about this. I don't know if it's been recent. I don't know if it was a long time ago, but it never got brought up. Because I didn't fully understand it till about high school after repetitive being told again and again and again what it was that I had. I feel like it was somewhere in the middle towards the end of a high school in there where like we were like actually like friends, friends. Not yeah. just like, oh, we were part of the same friend group because like we had like this whole extended friend group in high school mm-hmm. that like the theater bunch, crowd, the theater crowd mixed in with some of like the nerdier kids mm-hmm. and like some of the outcasts. Yeah. And, like we had, like we had a crowd. It was like um, us in the year below us and yeah. some of the kids below them. Mm-hmm. So two years. Below it's us. like we blended in with a bunch of different groups. We, we were our own group, but we blended in with a bunch of other people. Yeah. Yeah. We all like hung out at lunch and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say middle to end of high school when we're like, we start like we started being actual friends, and like you were like telling me stuff about you, and like mm-hmm. I think at some point you had said that you had APD, and you explained a little bit about it because you were still figuring it out for yourself, and I didn't really know what that meant. Yeah, and I never like I had never thought that like there was something wrong with you, and I, after afterwards I didn't I still didn't think there was something wrong with you because mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person that like I perceive as a opposed to judge mm-hmm. so like i'd rather just like i take an information and i just like like oh okay i just acknowledge it okay. like this is how chelsea is chelsea is brian chipper she dances she sings all the time mm-hmm. and she is who she is and mm-hmm. yeah she has ap like when you said you had apd i was like oh okay mm-hmm. i guess that makes sense but i don't really know what that means and also like mm-hmm. i wasn't super conscious of like mental disorders in high school because I, I, yeah. I didn't really come across well I mean I, there were kids that had ADHD and like other kids that were like in the special ed program yeah. but like yeah 
Yeah, because I think one of the one of the misconceptions is that I feel like everybody in one way, shape, or form might have some sort of imperfection or like disability in that way. It just depends on how well it's hidden or like how minute it is or things like that. So even the, like even like I was like as you're saying, I was still understanding. I'm still trying to understand it. Like, but yeah, like, I knew a few kids growing up who were ADD or ADHD, but they mm-hmm. were all younger than me, mm-hmm. and I had met them when I moved to California, but. I think I knew one or two people who were dyslexic mm-hmm. um, and had to have like special help in reading in English, but there were no special ed classes at any of the schools that I went to. Mm. Really? Yeah. So I really was not exposed to it um, growing up. Uh, some of the research we were talking about depends on like the situation of either at school or at home or at work, depending on what resources are there for you, as well as your support system can affect how you deal with the so-called disorder or disability or something right. that you and have. Some people say, oh, there's this, this huge increase in autism and it must be due to vac- vaccines. Oh the thing God. is, is that it's not that there's really a huge increase in these different you know, communication or learning disabilities. It's just that we have gotten better at recognizing them yeah. and diagnosing them at an earlier age. Mm-hmm. Before, a lot of times people would make it to college before they found out that they were dyslexic. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if I had known this way back at the beginning of school that you could have tackled it differently, learned different mechanisms for teaching. Yeah. We're just getting better at recognizing and diagnosing. I was lucky enough to have been diagnosed when I was very young, Mm -hmm. but I have this in my scrapbook. I have a letter from the guy that had diagnosed me of a list of things I would need to do to have a somewhat quote unquote normal life, which would be therapy counseling, individual counseling, along with family counseling, and then a list of prescriptions and things like that, and how maybe I might be needing it up until my late 20s. I The only thing that I ever really did was the speech therapy and the special ed. And the other things that I really got into instead were music and drama and acting. And that was sort of that way of doing it. And like not trying to discredit that doctor anyway whatsoever. I know that he was being helpful, but it's interesting of how the first thing would be like therapy. Well, therapy's great. I'm not disc- just not trying to discern that anyway whatsoever. Those that search for it is fantastic, but to kind of go for like the prescription and the therapy and all that stuff like first. They're trying to rather. show all the different options there are available to help cope with yeah. this issue. Mm-hmm. The kids that I work with, the oldest, she wasn't diagnosed until she was five, but the youngest, because her brother and sister had already been diagnosed. They went into it assuming that she probably had it as well, was also autistic or on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So she had much earlier intervention because when her sister was five and got diagnosed, you know, her brother was four and she was two. Mm -hmm. And so she got that early intervention, that early speech therapy, that early one-on-one attention. And that has definitely had a vast influence on her ability to communicate. Mm -hmm. She is very well-spoken and she doesn't struggle with some of the same behavior issues that her brother and sister have because she had so much attention at such a young age Mm -hmm. around her disability. Uh, One question that I have um, for either me or other people you've encountered with that when you find out they have a disability have you then noticed afterwards in certain events or situations where you've noticed the connections between, oh, this relates to what they've talked about of what they had, or mm-hmm. is it something that just like, it's like, it's just them? When you said you had APD and you kind of explained a little bit of it, I was like, oh, okay. Like you do do this and you do that. And like, that's just like an explanation and just like, it's really just a, a label for like those behaviors. Yeah. But I never, like, that never changed my perception of you. And, like, I was like, oh, okay, so that's what it is. Cool. I think I was this kind of the same way, not necessarily with Chelsea's situation, but when I would come across people and then someone would explain to me what their particular disability was, once I knew it, then it became easier to interact with them because instead of me having these expectations for them to act a certain way, I was then much more understanding me like I can't expect that of them because they're not capable of doing that. Mm -hmm. So it changed the way that I interacted with them and all for positive. 
it made every one of our interactions or experiences much more positive because I knew going into it that I could not go in with these expectations of them being a certain way because they weren't going to be able to be. So, which was really important for when, for example, when I started meeting people who are like on the Asperger part of the autism spectrum disorder, um, once you understand that, then it's a lot easier just to like, to communicate with them. With Chelsea, after I hired her, when she was doing her first training, she explained to me her disorder and she said, I may ask you the same thing multiple times or ask you to re-explain it. She's like, this is why. And I would just want to make sure that I am understanding what you're saying. She's like, so I will often repeat it back to you. And because she set it up with those expectations for me, um, it didn't, when she would ask me the same thing again or clarify by saying, so you want me to do A, B, C, instead of me being like, why is this person asking me this? Instead, I knew that she was truly listening and she wanted to make sure that she understood And so it was really easy for me to adjust to, and it made me feel like she was such a dedicated worker because she really, she could have easily just been like, oh, well, I'm not sure I heard that correctly, so I'm just going to not worry about it and not do it. (laughs) Instead, she was taking it into her own hands and making sure I I understood her specific challenges so I would be more able to help her achieve what she needed to achieve on the job yeah yeah sorry (laughs) i know i know i'm 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 already starting to cry and uh, get emotional um because one of the things that you're talking about with like expectations Mm -hmm. that's something that i don't know if it's talked about a lot but i definitely put on myself a lot and i don't know if it's because of more recently because of um my acknowledgement of APD be like, oh, like I'm blaming on this more and that kind of thing. But then I think it's also my anxiety over certain things that sometimes I might blend the two. But like the thing it's, is that- Yeah, but it's not blaming things on your APD. It's recognizing that your APD plays a part no. in your ability or <laughs> process of doing something. Nika's already brought the tissues out. <laughs> it's, it's not about blaming it on your disability. It's about just recognizing this is more difficult for me because- I process differently. Yeah. And that's okay to know why things are more difficult for you. I mean, we were recently, you know, just last week we were talking about my struggles with, you know, alcoholism and addiction. Mm -hmm. And that does really, alcoholics and addicts have, their brains work differently. Mm -hmm. And so now that I am in recovery, I can recognize certain behaviors within myself and realize where they come from. (laughs) And that helps me to react to situations better, to know what I need to do to be able to avoid certain behaviors that I don't want to fall into. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's just, and with you mentioning expectations, something offline that we've been talking about a little bit that I think plays into a lot is um, this feeling of validation and approval. I think a lot growing up, now that I'm looking back because of my disability and wanting to you know, bond with other people, especially like in the fifth and sixth grade when I would actually try to reach out and like try to in a way understand them than right. the other way around and try to like fight for their approval and like want their validation. Like, oh, like we're friends, like like the, the thing with like Michelle or that kind of thing. Just um, like I didn't have, I didn't feel like I had that validation or I needed to validate it with like putting like extra work and in things. So all preteens just... are like that. They're all mm-hmm. seeking validation. They're all trying to figure out who they are, but wanting to be accepted regardless. And it's even harder when you feel like not only are you dealing with the same thing that all other kids your age are dealing with, but if you feel like you have something that makes it difficult for people to connect with you or that makes you other, that (laughs) makes it even harder. One thing that uh, our other producer Marcus brought up, which I think is kind of very interesting that I haven't really thought about is um, interweaving a lot of things with APD. Because in my mind, when I get very anxious or depressed or like very stressed, sometimes I'll mix things together and like blame everything under like APD. But he was mentioning about things like I don't I don't see like you dancing and moving around. Like I don't connect that with the APD whatsoever. It's just like that's just Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's just who you are. <laughs> now the, I think one of the reasons you do weave it together is you found early on in life that music helped you focus. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, so that's why you relate it to your APD. Yeah. With how I describe with my connection with music, with music, 
I can repeat things over and over and over again until I get the message, I get the beat, I get the accompaniment that goes along with it so I can repeat it and therefore hopefully in a way maybe either playing guitar or like singing it can communicate back with it. So in a way right. it's sort of like a first love that I can't seem to let go and hence why I always Nor tune in. You, which is why <laughs> Chelsea is tutoring me in guitar. Yeah, it is true. Yes, I we just yeah, That's just great. started. We actually had a session a couple of days ago, so mm-hmm. you yeah. know, cuz she's an expert in piano and all these other instruments, but apparently guitar. I I've had a guitar in my hand since I was 16 and I'm still not good at it. <laughs> I, there's just something about guitar that I can't get to click with my brain and so Chelsea's going to help me break through that. Yes, Good. yes, with uh, with some finger picking and all that fun stuff. Yeah. So. Having lived with Chelsea for nearly three years, um, <laughs> like I would come home and like you would be watching YouTube videos and you'd be like the same YouTube video you'd be watching for a week. Oh, wait, I remember this. I remember. And <laughs> I remember asking you one time because like I had noticed it before, but I didn't really like I was like, oh, okay. It's she's watching YouTube video, and I realized it's like the same. I was like, I've seen you watch this before, and like she would be sitting on the couch, doing some typing or watching another YouTube video, <laughs> while one YouTube video was playing on the oh TV, God. and I was like, You're exposing me so much here. <laughs> we already no, talked this, a lot about this. this, this no, this is ti- this is tying into like yeah. what we're, what we're talking about because you explain like. That that's something that's familiar to me. And then what you're saying, like getting to know the beats and this and that, like, you know, that video inside and out and it helps you focus so you can watch this other video or you can do your writing or you can do whatever you're working on. Mm-hmm. It's helping to like block out all the other noises that mm-hmm. her brain can't filter out. Yeah. Like you yeah. talked about if you go to a bar or a club, it's hard to focus because there's mm-hmm. so much audio stimuli coming at you at once yeah so if you have something for part of your brain to focus on that you know you can then better take in more selected stimuli exactly mm-hmm. exactly the kids yeah. i work with do something very similar they listen to the same stuff they watch the same stuff over and over and over again and part of it is because it's familiar to them it's comfortable to them and mm-hmm. they can connect to it. Exactly. It's nice to have something around that you know and understand so that way you can follow along and like you're not completely distracted by everything else that's going on around you, but you have something that's like comforting in a way. Right. But mm-hmm. still, it's not an excuse to always watch it when you're doing work. So with that, I've actually been doing a technique where I play like low chill fine music on a speaker and I place it somewhere in my room. So that way it kind of tricks my brain into office mode. Like when you go into like an office or a building and there's music playing around, mm-hmm. kind of sets you in that work environment. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing that to kind of help me out, even if I have to put on headphones to listen to like video clips and stuff. They call that Muzak. Oh, it's yeah. It's that replacement of the white noise of the mall with mm. um, something with a beat, with a melody. So Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Did you find in your research different ways that we can help children who are experiencing a learning disability? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, one of the articles, let me just double check, Help Guide, uh, along with that same one that talked about disorders. And, right. Yeah, they talked about some tips of helping children with learning disabilities. So number one, take charge of your children's education. So support services and accommodation. Like for mine, I had therapy sessions and then there was like a certain period to like take standardized tests if I need it. The kids that I work with, they each have their individual education plan. They have aides in their classrooms. They have tutors. They have us nannies who also tutor them. They Mm -hmm. have speech therapists. You are your child's best advocate for helping them have the tools that they're going to need to function at their highest level. Exactly. Tip number two, identify how your child learns best. So that'd be visual learner, auditory learner, or kinesthetic learner, which is basically oh, means... Uh, textiles. Textiles. So basically right. doing it. So basically from seeing things, listening, or doing... Obviously, auditory would not work for me. I was more a visual or a doer in terms of right, learning purposes. Right, yeah. Um Kimmy's company, mm-hmm. they really focus on the textile learning mm-hmm. and... That is what works for a lot of kids, but you really got to figure that out when they are in young development, what what they tend to gear towards. My brother struggled with reading for a really long time until he got into sports magazines, Mm -hmm. and that was what changed it for him. So a lot of times with kids who struggle with reading, it's about finding a media that they are going to be interested in. 
Mm-hmm. And that will encourage them to do it more. Tip number three, think of life success rather than school success. Uh, there's a 20-year-old study that has followed children with learning disabilities into adulthood that has identified six life success attributes, self-awareness and self-confidence, being proactive, perseverance, the ability to set goals, knowing how to ask for help, and the ability to handle stress. So I think those are good tips yeah. for everyone in life. Yeah. And there's definitely, you know, more details with it in each part. But if you just search it up for help guide or if any like website regarding helping those learning disabilities, you will see these and there will be specifics of how to help with your child or with a friend or someone that you How know. can you support them in their growth? Exactly. The internet even though it's the best and worst invention in the world, you can't deny its convenience. We have so much information right at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. Tip number four, emphasize healthy lifestyle habits. So it doesn't, so it doesn't, it's just not just for your physical health. It's also for your mental health too. And for learning. So exercise, sleep and diet, and then healthy emotional habits as well. So, well, cause those are all things that will affect your ability to take on other challenges. If you are, not getting enough sleep, you're not going to be at your best anyway, no matter what your day is holding or what you're facing. If you're not eating right, if you're not getting enough exercise, Mm -hmm. you're just putting up more hurdles for you to have to overcome before you can deal with whatever the topic at hand is. Mm -hmm. And then tip number five, take care of yourself too. So self-care, which... I definitely think We're it's very We're always very talking about self-care. Here. We all we always are because we as much as we want to help other people, sometimes we need to help ourselves. You got to help yourself ways. first so you're available to put your oxygen mask on before helping the person next to you. Those are some tips and hopefully that will help anybody out there that might need it. I mean, yeah. I definitely need to be reminded of this stuff constantly still, but I mean, still feel very blessed to have a supportive group even here right now letting me talk about this and let me cry and be emotional love you guys too so yeah now um hashtag hunt hashtag hunt so kevin we've come to the part of our show (laughs) where we look up the hashtag of the week our hashtag today hashtag living with disabilities and we see what we find on the twitter the instagram the facebook the tumblers so this week on hashtag hunt difference is in the eye of the beholder Hashtag living with disabilities. Very simple and very, very true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. This next one, we will repost to our social media. It was an article with complete with a whole gallery of photos about a mother captured beautiful images of her one-handed daughter to prove her potential is endless. Picture. I have the picture right in front of That's me. Really it's so cute. cute. There, I picked three of them. To show you guys today, the first one, they're all done in a very fantasy kind of mode with beautiful backdrops that have been photoshopped in. Mm -hmm. And the first one is the little girl in the middle of a lake on a log reaching out to leaves falling. The next one is her standing next to a giant giraffe. That's cute. And the last one I shared with you guys is just a beautiful (laughs) portrait of this little girl. She's so adorable. She's so precious. She is. And your mom's right. You can do anything you put your mind to. (laughs) At Rides and Rods 2017 said, learning to walk again. Hashtag AK amputee. Hashtag amputee life. Never give up. Never back down. Living with disabilities. That's cool. So she is an example of someone who came to their disability much later in life due to an accident. And she is still living her life. She's learning to walk again. And she's not giving up the things that she loves. She loves to ride Harleys. Mm -hmm. Not looking at and not asking questions is not the way to coexist with people with disabilities. That's true. It's like you've got – it's all about communication, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you don't communicate, you'll never know the answer. You'll never understand. Exactly. And the the way that people come together is by communicating and not ignoring what is different between you and someone else – and it's like with disability, with sexuality, gender, identity, um, race, all of those, if you... You just have to acknowledge it. Yeah. If you pretend it doesn't exist, that there is no difference. Like when people say, oh, I don't see color, I completely disagree because you do see that there's a difference, but you acknowledge that you are different for several reasons, not just that. Mm-hmm. And like disability is just another 
thing. They like, I don't have that disability. You do. I acknowledge that. And I want to understand you. A bath with jets, four ibuprofen, two Tylenol, and a heating pad cannot kill my current pain. I hurt especially in my arms, legs, and abdomen, and my anxiety is increased tenfold. So if I don't respond, I'm not ignoring you. I'm just not having a good day. Mm. Hashtag living with disabilities. I want to give that person a hug and tell them it's going to be okay. They're just putting it out there being like, hey, it's not personal, but I am going through some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Through March 26th, the Villanova U Art Gallery will partner with the Villanova Office of Disability Services to showcase some hundred plus works of art by people who are living with disabilities throughout the Philadelphia area. Interesting. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, this one was really interesting. I also read the article that it referred to, and not all disability is visible. Yasmin commented that if the person who left the note would like to give her their lungs and heart, she would gladly go back to her old life. So what this was a story about was a young woman who was coming out, who had parked at a bar or club, and someone saw her get out of her car and felt like she was not disabled. And she was parked in a disabled spot. So they left a passive-aggressive note on her windshield. And she is actually severely disabled and is going to experience a much shorter lifespan. And that just really put a bad taste in her mouth from this wonderful night that she'd had out with her friends. Here was what Yasmin wrote on her social media in response to this anonymous note that was left on her car. To the person in in Tenderton who wrote this lovely message on my car last night. Just because I look well doesn't mean I am well. Do not judge me. You have no idea what strength it takes to wake up each day and battle with my own body. If you would like to give me your heart and lungs, I would happily go back to my old life. Not all disability is visible. Yeah, so she's got a really rare condition where um, her blood does not get enough oxygen. She has a device that has to be connected to her that is constantly pumping medicine through her body. And so her lungs aren't getting enough blood to them and her blood is not getting enough oxygen. Mm-hmm. And so she's looking at a much shorter lifespan. And so, again, like you can't judge communication. Mm-hmm. She she also said in you know an interview with her that if people just would walk up to her and say something to her, she could explain her disability. Instead, Mm -hmm. they assume that she's not truly disabled because they watch her walking out of her car. Fine. She's like, I feel pressured to limp when I get out of my car. So people will, will readily see that I have a disability, even though that's not part of my disability. Mm, Yeah. yeah, No, assumption is a really big thing. Cause I think even with, I hate taking it back to me but like even with my APD like if you met me I would like to think that you can't tell because there are definitely times when I've talked to people after I've known them for a while they're like wait what I, right. I, I, I couldn't tell right. so it's like it's not always clear and visible and that is especially true of the types of disabilities we've been talking about today yeah. things that are learning disabilities communication disabilities those are not always noticeable mm-hmm. yeah like they're like she said that there are invisible disabilities. People like to feel righteous and being like, oh, well, like you aren't deserving of this because it doesn't look like you're disabled or this and that. And they're trying to, to think that they are fighting for people that are disabled when they're really just... They're not. They're fighting against it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Your child is capable of things no one can predict. Nathan Genderton. D-O-M-P from enabledkids.org. Again, another quote I got to put up on my wall. I got to write It's a nice reminder, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is a nice reminder. In a push toward inclusion in the cyber world, Apple is requesting new emojis that would better represent people living with disabilities. What do you think of the emojis proposed? Oh, I did not know about that. That's Yeah, they're proposing like a wheelchair emoji, some amputee emojis... Uh, my question, I mean, the amputee in the wheelchair, it's it's like, nah, but I definitely get it. But the the learning disabilities, yeah, that you, one, that again, one, that they're one you invisible. Can't. They're invisible disabilities. Yeah. So this yeah, would really exactly. only cover people with a physical disability. Yeah, exactly. Which is why today's episode was more the mental rather than the physical. One of the reasons I love modern technologies, if they are used for good, a Kenyan man invented a glove that translates sign language into speech. People like him are modern day heroes for me. That's really cool. Morning routine with an ADH kid is frustrating and awful. Anything but routine every single day. Hashtag living with disabilities. 
If a service dog approaches you without their owner, they need your help. Thank you for your service. I think in a few movies it's represented pretty well when someone has like an issue or someone like is like maybe starting to have like epilepsy or something like that. The dog will try to find someone else and grab them to help out the situation. Correct. It gets worse. So if you see a service dog and they're not with their owner, that means their service, that their owner is in trouble. We talk about driving cars in snow, but what about handling wheelchairs in snow and ice? So activist and advocate Carly Finlay gave a speech recently, and she urged the crowd to be proud of their disabilities and to own their stories. Mm. And that is what we did today. Chelsea mm-hmm. shared her story with us. Thank you so much, Chelsea. Thank you, Chelsea. Um, we know it's not easy to talk about this stuff, mm-hmm. but hopefully because we're having this open discussion, we can help other people start to understand the people around them who are struggling with something similar. Mm-hmm. We have one more segment today. We have to pay back our challenges. Oh, yes, 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 it's yes. time yes, to pay yes. off challenges. We're not doing new challenges this week. No. So we've been very busy with mm-hmm. people on vacation and yep. um, me on film sets. So, But we do have a challenge that we need to pay off. Mm-hmm. I did say I was going to write... Uh, rewrite Broken Beautiful. I did not complete that, but my focus was shifted more towards UCLA. I've mentioned a couple of times I'm a TA there, but I'm also a student there and we're writing our newest script. So you didn't so, get to have a chance to get into Broken Beautiful before no. you guys launched into the new script. Exactly. But my writing That's time has okay, been... okay. <laughs> even though we had more time to do this challenge, I did not meet my goal either. <laughs> okay. I'm my goal alone. was to pull together the paperwork from my last three productions that I need to put into my DGA binder. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. Yeah. But I was going to do it yesterday, but I was down with allergies all day, unable yep. to think straight. So it did not happen. Yeah. So, I mean... I might have not done it with breast necessarily Broken Beautiful, but I did redirect it towards kind of UCLA, which is, I will admit, it's probably a little bit more pressing since we only have five weeks to write that script. So, so, that, so that's uh, fine. I mean, these, you know, we'll, we'll get around to these things, you know. Mm-hmm. They happen when they happen, right? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to need to assign each other a movie this week. But before mm-hmm. we do that, yeah. we have to pay off the movies that we watched after yes. we didn't meet our gluten goal. Yep, 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 yep. Yep. So I watched The Dressmaker. And I had Eternal Sunshine, The Spotless Line. And holy fuck, why have I not seen this movie sooner? I know. I'm telling you, you're doing yourself ah! such a disservice by only seeing bits and pieces of it. Oh, my God. I don't want to say it takes the top spot as like my all-time favorite but I love it. I'm so sorry that I swore of like, holy fucking shit. Well, but just, and then geez. she keeps swearing. Um, <laughs> now you see why this squeezed out butterfly effect for me in no, my top five. Yeah, no, geez. Oh my gosh. Um, I, I've only just watched it like less than 24 hours ago. So my mind is still reeling from it. But I rewatched still, it last night as well. But still, oh my gosh. This just made me fall in love with Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet even more with their characters. And I just, the beat and the tone of the story what i'm very intrigued about is now the director the the photography of getting all the shots all together and like they did a lot of sequences where it seemed all happening in one take but then one person was over there one person like disappeared because it was within a dream within a dream within a dream most of it right right it was was, all a lot of it was happening in his head and we're we're seeing the memories as they are getting erased you're having people disappearing from the scene you're having them be removed from the scene yeah things being added to it yeah so it was very masterfully done especially in the post-production yeah and then also interacting with people within the dream like they were aware of him even though it was a dream so and it wasn't confusing at all like I could follow what was happening which is very difficult to do that one memory that they went into when they're trying to hide from the memory Uh erasers and he and Jim Carrey's character Joel is playing his four-year-old him oh and he's hiding under the kitchen table yes so it was very obvious that I think that Kate Winslet's character who is playing an adult in the scene is being shot in the actual kitchen yeah and he is being shot on a green screen Mm -hmm. but part of me like wish that they had just built a giant kitchen it looks that way a lot in some ways it does but Mm -hmm. I think from working in this industry I know that mm-hmm. he was on a green screen and she was yeah. in the actual kitchen. Exactly. And I think what's also was really cool is that those times when he did go back to those very deep, progressed memories when he was a child, 
the emotions that you yeah. would feel as a four-year-old, it was very genuine and very real because since he was experiencing that in real life and it made so much sense. It made so much Absolutely. sense. So it was it was very beautifully done. Um, again, I knew bits and pieces and I kind of knew what happened. So I probably wasn't like crying or emotional, but it just was like, when I was trying to do actually research for this episode, I was like, I know it's a good movie when I have to watch the film over doing the work. So. Right, right. Okay, so I'll stop for that. Okay, so now Dressmaker for you. Yeah, so I finally watched all of the Dressmaker. Okay. That is such a weird, funky movie. <laughs> so I did take some notes. Okay. So um, I enjoyed it. Okay, so good. we'll start there. I enjoyed it. Good. I had seen half of it before. So the, the notes that I have are mostly more of my critique of the things that didn't work for me. Okay. So in this movie, The Dressmaker, it takes place in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. And Kate Winslet goes back home to her small town in Australia, which looks like a like a Wild West ghost town. <laughs> There's just like yeah, right? a handful of buildings. I don't even know how all of those people live in that town mm-hmm. when you look as far as the eye can see and there's like three houses. <laughs> but she goes home supposedly to care for her mother with dementia. Mm-hmm. But it is much more about the reasons of why she was sent away from home as a child. So there had been a mysterious death that she was somehow involved in. And that is the mystery they're trying to untangle throughout the whole movie. But the really, the reason that she came home, it had nothing to do with feeling like she needed to come home and take care of her mother. It had to do with her wanting an answer of why she was sent away. Mm-hmm. She was feeling very unloved and she just had that childlike, why didn't you love me? Why did you send me away? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and all of that gets revealed as they are untangling this mystery of what happened all those years ago. And they're, this movie is really all about vignettes. It's all about these funky, interesting scenes, these little tiny character focuses on the people in the town not necessarily how those scenes all connect together Mm -hmm. my biggest complaint about the movie was the soundtrack the soundtrack Mm -hmm. was over composed it really was running roughshod over the entire movie Mm -hmm. it was so big and trying to connect all of these small scenes together just using the music Mm -hmm. to try to keep a certain a certain attitude i would say about the film yeah when this would have done a lot better and been a lot more poignant with more silence. There are a lot of really important, heavy moments in this film, even in these small little character biographies that we're getting in these scenes around the town Mm -hmm. that would have meant a lot more if they were not underscored with such heavy music. I could see that, yeah. And then the other thing I didn't understand the situation where the kid died when she was a kid. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The activity that they were doing. Yeah. I don't understand why she was worried that she would die. Mm. Do you understand what I mean? I understand what you mean, but I mean, I could also I, I, somewhat see in her perspective. I mean, I guess maybe a kid might think that that activity could be so dangerous they would die. But to me, it didn't make any sense. Um, so yeah. that when they revealed that, that kind of ruined some of all of this anticipation that I had, mm-hmm. like not the, the way that the kid died. That's fine. That made sense. But just you know, the, the activity the kids were engaging in at the time. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I see that from your perspective, but I'm also can see like maybe it doesn't make that much sense with Kate Winslet as an adult, the character, but as a child. That maybe as a child that made more sense. A child, it made more sense because... They didn't sell it to me. I will say that. Okay. So it's fine if that was, you know, a child's perception of the danger of the event, but they didn't sell it to me. Okay. Um, And then also I felt like the movie was very rushed. And I think a lot of that Mm -hmm. was the music trying to push us because these scenes were really not that interconnected. Mm -hmm. They were all little vignettes. They were a string of moments. Mm Mm-hmm. And so they were trying to use the mo- the music to carry you from one moment to the next. And I think it did it at a disservice. I think a less intrusive score mm-hmm. would have been very beneficial to this movie. Mm. I would have preferred to sit in those uncomfortable moments, to sit in those weird interactions with the characters in that town yeah. than to have 
all the this very kind of goofy, overscored music. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking back, there are probably a couple of things where I thought, okay, this might not need as much music as before. Right. But, I think it was fine in like the first 20 minutes when we're getting yeah. this feel of the town, but mm-hmm. it needed to reel back a lot. Yeah, I can see that. But thank you for having me watch it. I'm glad I've seen the whole thing now. Woohoo. Okay, so after some discussion. Yeah. <laughs> Might have cut some pieces here and there. We're going to both see the movie Amelie. Yes. Chelsea Amelie. has never seen it. No. And it has been a really long time since I've seen it. So it deserves a rewatch by me. I could not describe to you even the the concept of the movie. I yeah. could, could describe some of the visuals, but it's been so long, I could not tell you what happens. Yeah. I've, again, I've seen bits and pieces, but I haven't so, seen the whole thing. So thank you, producer Marcus. Thank so that you, was a Marcus. wonderful suggestion. Yes. We probably won't be paying it off next week because of everything that's going on with our lives, right, unfortunately. Right. But, but you know what? That's okay. We, we're going to get it paid off, you know, in the near future. Yes. I think I know which episode it is, but we shall see depending on our schedule. So Absolutely. Yes. So before we go... Kevin, you've been very patiently and quiet and listening to us rant back and forth. Um, If you'd like, what would you like to plug and where can people find you? Um, People can find me on the internet. Um, (laughs) All over the internet? All over. The Um, Craigslist personals, perhaps? Yes, OnlyFans.com. Kidding. I do not have an OnlyFans. Do not try to find me OnlyFans. (laughs) Um, I don't know. What is OnlyFans? OnlyFans is a subscription service for many things, but mostly for like amateur porn. Move on, please. (laughs) (laughs) All right, going back to you, Kevin, Um, your actual. I'm on the Facebook, but uh, um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram under Nexus Boy, uh, spelled N-E-X-U-S-B-0-I. And that's it because I'm not going to give you guys my Tumblr. <laughs> Fair no, enough. don't. You can find us at Life Goals Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Yes. Please write to us. Tell us what topics you'd love to hear us talk about. Mm-hmm. Give us your feedback. We really like to hear from you. Yeah, we would love to get some more ideas because we're coming up with them, but we definitely are like, okay, what do we do next? <laughs> so thank you everybody for listening to this episode. Once again, I'm Chelsea Wingo. And I'm Amy Koval. And this has been Hashtag, Hashtag Life Goals. Goals. Have a good day, everybody. Bye. Bye.